0: Welcome to the Loosehead Podcast. To accomplish great things, we must not only act but also dream, not only plan but also believe. In a way, we want you to fail because we know you're pushing yourself to a new level. I've rarely seen capability compensate for a lack of character or a lack of capacity. And today I'm delighted to welcome Wasali Sarevi. Wasali, how are you getting
1: on? We just arrived in Fiji like nine days ago, and uh, we're in quarantine at the moment. And anywhere in the world you want to be doing quarantine, it's Fiji because uh, we are at uh, Hilton Hotel Denarau, near the ship, and uh, we've been here for fourteen days and. supply you with uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So even though we cannot see our relatives, but it's a good time for us to reflect on the journey with my family, with my daughter, uh, who just came back from uh, deployment with the US Air Force. So the opportunity to come and uh, visit Fiji and uh, uh, visit my wife's mom too. So. Uh, That's the reason we are here for some family commitment. But uh, as I already said, there's no better place to
0: to do quarantine than do it in Fiji. (laughs) That's it. That's it. I could think of worse places. (laughs) So today I just wanted to talk to you about coaching and everything like that. So if it's okay with you, I'll just jump straight in. So you coached both in Fiji and Russia. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is maybe the use of language in terms of trying to explain kind of style of play or anything like that. How difficult was it to adapt language-wise?
1: Yeah, I think uh, definitely in uh, Russia, uh, language is uh, a barrier, but rugby, we all understand what we are trying to do. Uh, That is the thing that uh, the common language of rugby, we all know what the rugby is and... uh, what the tackle is, and that's what uh, everybody knows. But uh, the little details of uh, of other stuff, it's like uh, really difficult because of, uh, yes, I agree, because of language in Fiji, because everybody speaks uh, Fijian, uh, it's uh, quite easy. So when I went to Seattle in 2010 and created the, uh, Serevi Rugby and the awareness of rugby, and uh, it lifted uh, rugby, especially in Seattle. We were not known. Rugby was not known in Seattle like 10 years ago. Uh, It is there, but it's not a hot spot for rugby. Rugby is in Denver, in New York, in California, where rugby is well known. Uh, It was an honor and privilege for me to meet up with my business partner, give me the opportunity. That's what I wanted to do to try and uh, give back to the sport that I love, rugby, because uh, when I was young, nobody helped me, came down to my level. To I mean, I'm talking about top rugby players, coming down to my level to try and uh, help me get better. And when I played rugby, I tried to find my own way. Cut the story short, uh, I achieved what I wanted to achieve in rugby. Uh, when I was young, trying to make people happy, when I was nine years old, and then later on, uh, nine years later, I achieved my goals, played for Fiji in 1988, 15s, and then in sevens in 1989, my first uh, Hong Kong Sevens. But I believe 11 years later, Achieve my goals of trying to make people happy. I did that in Fiji, I achieved a lot of things. Winning World Cups and HSBC 7 Series. My first year coaching and playing for Fiji. And then I went across to USA. I was blessed to meet uh, my business partner in Seattle. We set up Cerevi Rugby, which we brought in uh, Santiago Gomez for top sevens player with Santi Gomez Corra, he was out with uh, Argentina. We came in, we did camps with HSBC, and I'm so happy that it landed Santiago Gomez Corra, one of my rugby friends in those years, to coach Argentina. And I'm so proud and happy he's doing well. And ben Golding has gone to Australia. I heard is with uh, a university in Australia. So that's what uh, we did in uh, Seattle. Uh, the awareness of rugby when i came into seattle with all my friends and uh, uh, i believe that uh, at the moment uh, the last 10 years usa sevens were not known and now i can say that they are medal prospect for the olympics 2021 and i thank god for the opportunity to do that and uh, in 2018 i believe i went across to in four months time I have to qualify the Russia 7 team to qualify to go to the Olympics, which I believe uh, no coach in the world can do that. Uh, n- even the best coaches in the world, they cannot do that. You cannot coach a, a team for four months to qualify for the World Cup, for the Olympics. Uh, that is, uh, and again, as I said, language is always a barrier because I see things that I explain to the interpreter to explain to the players but they
0: keep doing it. It was a bit of a struggle. How important is it, is it for coaches to create a happy atmosphere even if a team is failing or even if a team is winning, like regardless of their success? How important is it to create a happy atmosphere?
1: I believe uh, for me, when the players are happy, uh, they perform. And uh, when I was playing, uh, I had coaches that I play under with. The relationship between coaches and players were good. Uh, I believe that uh, everybody understands the role. Uh, That's what uh, I believe during my times of Fiji, 21 years of international rugby. uh, I played with a group of boys that uh, as soon as, when we were playing, as soon as Boots on for training, everybody sweets on for training that session. And the coaches, they are good because they understand the players and the players understand the coaches. And uh, that's uh, uh, what happened in Fiji all those years when I I was playing. I remember all those coaches, they were strict. But after training, everybody, like, uh, I mean did the stuff, but we all know what we are there for. Uh, I believe that, I believe that like the question to answer the question that it's always important coaches and players to have that understanding. And uh, for me, I played in uh, the last uh, international, we won the World Cup in 2005, under Wales coach, the Wales coach now, uh, Wayne Pivek, He was a great, great man from New Zealand and uh, uh, he's doing well and congratulations to him for Six Nations in uh, Six Nations this year. He was our coach and uh, I was playing. And after that, he told me, Serevi, there's no other one in Fiji to coach Fiji. I see you as the next coach for these Sevens. You can keep playing. And then when you're done, then you can coach the team. Now you can play a coach, do player coaching. We won the World Cup in two thousand and five, and then all the senior players with that with us that year, a lot of them they retired, and then in two thousand and five six, it was us with the new players. But I thank God and thank the management, the late uh, Usa Uh I was doing coaching and I was doing fitness training, SNC and everything, I was like the father of the team, uh, looking after our seven team. And I believe in that uh, series, I can say maybe started from Dubai to May, maybe six months, the thing I knew that we really did well was players were happy. We have to make sure that players demands were met especially uh, what they need. Uh, that's what uh, I thought that people are always happy, looking forward to come to training, did the hard yards. And then I believe uh, on the eight tournaments that we played for 2005 and six, we played in, uh, in eight finals, I believe. Six finals, I think, and then uh, that's what we, we did on those years.
0: Was it difficult when you were player coach to separate yourself from the players when it came to making difficult decisions?
1: I believe that was the easiest time I had, coaching and playing the same time. And uh, the reason I'm saying it's much easier, because I know the players. And a lot of times I, was, I didn't play the three pool games anyway. So it saved my energy. I was like, it's much easier giving the new players uh, uh, the opportunity to play. But sometimes when things, the players were struggling and then it was, the coaches, uh, I know the coaches, uh, sometimes they are upset. We can see coaches, they are like throwing, they kick the water bottle, they throw the file away. Because uh, what the coaches are thinking, the players are not doing. That's what I thought that was made my life easier. Coaching because I was coaching, I was training, maybe I was fitter than some of the younger players, but when there was problem I see that was happening, and then it was easier for me not to yell and just call the player out. Come, then I came in. Example, we were losing uh, against South Africa in uh, Adelaide in 2006. We were losing and then this is just an example. And then it was like 19 to five. And then second half, they were not doing well. And then after two minutes, and then I saw that we were still struggling. Then I told one of the players, come out. And then I came in and started to talk to the boys and what we have to do, because they were not doing it, the things that I thought they should do. And then I ran in, I played for five minutes. We came from 5.19. The huda went I was under the post scoring that last minute try and kick and we were like 19 all and then cut the story short sudden death we it was William Ryder who scored the try and we won that uh, that tournament and uh, that's what I was saying at that time it was easier for me doing that and we won the series 2005 six and we lost the next series. Just by one point to New Zealand because we lost in the final against Wales. In uh, I think it was in Murrayfield or somewhere. Yeah, so that's what I was saying that uh, it was much a little bit much easier because I just came back from playing and then resting and the player coach and then I did a coach again for the next next season but we lost one point and.
0: Was it difficult, though, that to have conversations happened. with players? like Because at the same time, you are a player, but you are a coach. And if a player isn't upholding standards or if a player is letting the team down, you do have to talk to them from a managerial position. So was it difficult in that sense to separate yourself rather than just playing?
1: I'm talking about those two years, 2005-06, we won the series. Then 6-7, we lost one point. For me... The players know. While I was playing, while, while, while I was a captain, I always tell players, you know, uh, there's no... No one selected you. The future union don't select you. The uh, coaches don't select you. It's just you. You select yourself. But you need to perform because there's a lot of players out there. When I see... It's easy for me to see players that are not concentrating, that are not there mentally that they are not performing. Uh, Because I see that very, very quickly in training. For me, when I was coaching and playing, winning the game is not on the field. Winning the game is at training. I see people, the way the boys are training, the way the boys are turning into training, coming into training, coming into meeting not late, and everybody's like, like 12, I always tell the players, 12, like 12 players, one heartbeat or 15 including the manager 15 players 15 team team i mean teams and officials as a fiji team 15 players and officials one heartbeat that's what i always tell players that no one is a hero it's a team this is not golf this is not individual sport it is important that the players know that without my friend, we cannot achieve goal, without him. So in rugby, no man is an island. We need to look after each other. That's what I always, as soon as I see players going in that direction, I don't, I call him, by. I mean, I meet him by himself with the, only me and him, it's a one-to-one talk and uh, that's what uh, I always do. I remember when we won the series in, uh, 2005-06, like you ask about the players, when they're not doing well, do you talk to them, it's difficult. No, for me it's easy, because that year, in 2005 and six, we were going to our last series in uh, France and uh, England, and uh, one of our players, he was the star of our, players, our team in Fiji, and then he was not in camp, and he went to the village, and He was missing until the last day and he came to try and board with us in play. So it was difficult for me to to let him come because all the players were training and this and I have to explain it to him properly that what you're doing is not a team thing. And I tell him that I played rugby all these 20 years of international rugby and I come to training. I don't get late. I work hard in training, even though a lot of people saying, Cerebi, the best player, this, this. It comes here and it goes the other year. I have to be like a normal person, normal player like everyone. As soon as I touch down in Fiji, the, that afternoon, I go play, train club rugby. So that's what I always do. And I told the player that I don't believe that uh, to come to the team straight from wherever you are to join. It's If it's not, if it's my team, my club team, Still, I won't be able to take you. But if it's a provincial team, still, I can take you. I can take you with my... If it's club rugby, I take you. it's provincial rugby, I still take you. But for Fiji, this is not my team and not your team. It's important that you have to be here during our training. And he understands. The players, they understand when I talk to them that way. Because if I don't Talk to them that way i won't help anyone and i for my coaching philosophy is to try and help players to be better than me what i achieved with that little support when i was young i want to help players get better than me that's what i've been doing and uh, i still enjoy doing it
0: you mentioned wayne pivak there and um he coached you for a while as well is there any lessons you learned from wayne pivak that you applied to your own coaching
1: I think uh, with Wayne Pivak, uh, uh, Fiji is blessed to have uh, him came into the country. The reason uh, we left Fiji in 2000, with the coaches that were coaching Fiji, they say that uh, we don't need uh, foreign players again, foreign Fijian players to come out and play for Fiji. They'll use only players that are in Fiji, but from 2000 to 2005, Fiji went down the drain, I can say. Uh, They were struggling. And uh, then I thought to come back home and play for Fiji because I had the opportunity. I still think that I can still do it. And I came out to play in the Murray sevens to qualify to play for Fiji. If any of the foreign players want to come and then. I spoke to Wayne and I was in the country coming in and then he said, he wanted to meet me, and then I said, okay. Then we came out and met, and then he told me, what are you here for? And I said, I'm trying to go to the World Cup, and if you want to go to the World Cup, you have to play the big marriage sevens in Fiji. And he said, uh, uh, about the opportunity, because Fiji, a lot of people are complaining in Fiji about the last coaches and this and this, and and I said, uh, I'm here to, for Fiji, but if you need anything for me to help, and then, and then that's uh, how it went. And then in the end, uh, he was our coach for our 15th, uh, for our seventh team and uh, with uh, Paul Finney, I think from uh, Otago. And they were a good combination and they really bring in uh, uh, the New Zealand influence in, uh, in our team. Which is a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, uh, discipline and a lot of uh, the mental part of uh, uh, mental preparation of uh, teams that uh, that really help us and uh, that's what uh, they did and uh, uh, they did our our set pieces properly and. Uh, all the little details of uh, kickoff and uh, uh, scrums and uh, rock area. And it was really exciting to play under him, and I salute him because uh, I believe that if uh, Wayne didn't come to Fiji, we couldn't have uh, won the World Cup in 2005. Uh, he came in, and uh, the good thing that like, I always liked the communication between the coaches and the players. That was what uh, happened on that. We, none of us played in the series, but we came in two weeks before the World Cup. And all the senior players, we were like over 30 years of age, all of the players. They said that we were like the oldest team, we cannot win. But uh, in the end, uh, we wanted that uh, work up and I salute uh, Wayne Pivak and uh, Paul Finn for what they've done for, for the team.
0: Did Wayne Pivak instill anything or show you anything that you brought into your own coaching then in Seattle or in Russia?
1: Yes. Uh, the things that we do in training uh, and other coaches that I played under, I took all the things that I thought that really helped. Uh, that will help uh, teams that I I will uh, come across or coach and uh,
0: it really worked well wherever I go. When you first started coaching, what, if any, difficulties did you face? Coming into the U.S. doing coaching
1: and stuff, uh, the biggest problem that uh, we had with our Cerevi rugby is uh, the coaches uh, in the U.S., uh they are like very protective of their players uh they don't give their players to go to to attend uh, coaching clinics when uh, top coaches are coming to their area that is what uh, one thing that i thought i we faced uh they were not uh, releasing players to go to the to the coaching camps uh, that's what we heard when we came out and couple of players, they said, oh, we wanted to come, but our coach is saying, no, don't go. So that is uh, some of the stuff that uh, uh, I faced that uh, it was difficult. And uh, the other thing too, in the, in the U.S. is uh, uh, a lot of uh, players, they, rugby, it's not uh, the sport, the biggest sport. It was the fastest growing sport when we came in. And a lot of, when we came into Seattle, for example, uh, a lot of players didn't wanna play, a lot of kids don't want to play rugby because uh, there's no pathway to go to college, to university. And then a couple of years later, uh, they started to give scholarships for, for rugby in universities. And I, and I want to share that uh, my daughter she was one of uh, the reci- re- recipient of uh, the scholarships. She, she went to Central Washington four years and uh, she played rugby at high school. She went to the university, played rugby. And uh, she was coached by a former Eagle women's rugby, uh, Mel, and uh, and there was another coach. I forgot his, her name. And he, she ended up, my daughter ended up playing for US uh, 13 and eight. And I was so happy for her doing that. And uh, the thing that I was so happy too that they begin to give scholarships. And that's why in the US now, there's a lot of kids wanting to play rugby. They're enjoying rugby and they want to represent, uh, they keep playing rugby because it's scholarship for boys and girls to go to university.
0: You mentioned that you had a very short time space to get Russia ready to qualify for the Olympics. How did you look to instill an environment or a culture or a team playing style? How how did you begin that process?
1: Uh, Going into into Russia, I believe that uh, Russia, they have uh, the athletes. They are strong. They're good players, but uh, the thing that uh, the thing that I wanted to get into the Russian uh, the Russian sevens program was to try to get them into create a culture in the team to try and get them together, everybody on the same page, and try and uh, 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 I remember when the first time we go into a seventh tournament, it was Dubai, and the players were there when we had uh, lunch or breakfast or dinner. The players, the Russians are like I can I believe the culture for them is like every man for their own because of I believe because of things they go through all those years in life, and I. It was like really difficult to try and uh, get the players together, to be on the same page. Uh, example, uh, when we go into breakfast, everybody have to go together. We sit down together. That's what I always do with my team. Everybody sit down, have breakfast, whether you eat quickly or slow. We need to wait for the last player to go. But it was a little bit difficult for Russia. They were like, everybody is going, and they started well, but after that, they said, oh, can we go, can we go? They started doing that and uh, I tried to do that. It was going well for the first couple of uh, weeks, but we really struggled. And the other thing too is like uh, trying to get the players understand what we are trying to do and to try and change the way they play because the Russians are like strong people. Uh, they always love the contact area. They always like contact because once they get the ball, it, it's a simple two-on-one that you just need to draw and pass. And they tend to like try and run straight at the man, hit him and then try and offload. Those are the little things that we try to share with them that really can help them and change the way they play. But as I said, again, it was, Difficult. The time was short and because of COVID again, uh, I couldn't stay longer because of uh, the COVID-19 last year in March. So it was difficult to put things together.
0: How much pressure was there on you to succeed and how did you deal with that pressure? Uh, there was a lot of
1: pressure. From November to March, which is like four months, it was very challenging. And uh, we tried really hard, we try and uh, get in players. And uh, the thing with the the sevens uh, players, and I mean, the more experienced player that played in the series, and then the young players that are coming up now, the level is totally different. And then uh, it was, uh, it was challenging, but What I thought to myself is, okay, I need to just do what I can do. So I need to get them to get skills to try and get them to the next level. That's what I always tell them, to try and get them to the next level, to understand what uh, we want to do when we play. Because uh, I always tell them that things that you're doing now, when you do it out of Russia and play other teams, it's much easier to play for you guys because you are running in straight at people because they don't miss their tackles. The New Zealanders, the Fijians, the South France, the Australians, they don't miss their tackles. So that's what I was trying to change in trying to create a pattern for them so that they have the opportunity to look for spaces when they are on the field. Uh, yes, the time was short, but it was challenging, but I wanted to do what I can do to try and uh, help them go to the next
0: level. A player sees a coach as someone who always has all the answers. And I imagine those Russian players saw you as that person as well. But, you know, sometimes a coach doesn't have all the answers and that's fine. It's okay. As long as you go find out maybe the answer. But was it a difficult situation for you to be in in Russia where these players saw you as the all-knowing, and sometimes you had to say, well, actually, I don't know. Sometimes you may not have. Was it difficult to be vulnerable in saying, I don't know?
1: Yes, I think, uh, yes, sometimes coaches, they don't have the answers. Sometimes the coaches, uh, the way we are looking at what we want to do and the way the players looking at trying to figure out what you want them to do. Sometimes it doesn't work, but... Uh, the thing we have to do as a coach is try and help them to try and help them to to get better from where they are uh, when you come in and do you
0: think that's the hardest part of coaching
1: i believe uh, yes it's always a challenge for coaches when you go to an environment where where you have where it's first the language is a barrier and then where the communication, like the question from uh, the beginning, the the understanding of the players and the coaches, that makes it difficult for both
0: parties to, to understand what we wanted to do. In Seattle, you pretty much started teams from scratch. What was the initial pillars that you put in to help build those teams? I
1: think uh, the thing that uh, I started off with, I uh, tried to get a team culture for people to to respect one another, to communicate. Uh, the culture I wanted to set it up first, and then we started from basic drills, basic catch and pass, uh, decision making, uh, the contact area. That's what uh, we did. I always do when I go to, to start new with the teams that I go with and uh, I believe uh, coming into Seattle in 2010, uh, uh, I, be, I thought that uh, we did well. Uh, uh, we For the 10 years in Seattle, I believe uh, we won uh, about four or five nationals, USA nationals. And uh, as I said that Seattle was not the hot sport for rugby, coming down to Seattle and helping them with the team culture, with the environment uh, that we are in with uh, two training sessions a week. It's not a professional uh, uh, team. We just trained uh, two hours on Tuesday, two hours on on Thursday, but we went out and uh, I thought that the boys really played well and. Uh, we have players who came out from football uh, that made it to the U.S. national team, which is, I was so happy about. It. Players that uh, that came from other sports, they came in and uh, were stuck with rugby. And I had a player that was playing with the Miami Dolphins, came out because he saw rugby and he came straight to Seattle. And he ended up playing for USA, which is really good. I enjoyed
0: uh, those achievements uh, with our team in Seattle. You mentioned you started off with like decision making stuff like that, but how important is it to keep breaking down skills into their most basic components, even in developed teams to help understand them and develop them better?
1: I think uh, talking to players, I always tell them that uh, when you go to professional teams, they don't do complicated uh, stuff at their training. They stay with the basics and do it again and again and again and again. So I always encourage players that make sure you do those drills properly. Uh, Keep watching uh, players that are doing well and try and uh, uh, master all the little details that uh, we are trying to get them understand. And uh, they can be a better rugby player. Uh, They can be the best rugby player in the world. That is what uh, I want to do to try and help players get to the next level.
0: And what do you think, in your opinion, is the biggest reward that comes from coaching?
1: I believe, uh, for me, the reward coming for coaches is uh, to see players uh, get better, from uh, to see them from young ages to go up and achieve their dreams, represent a country. And I always say that I don't want to train people to just play rugby here in Seattle. I want you one day to go play rugby outside of USA. Because rugby is here in the USA, it's just growing, but the real rugby is out of USA. Because you can go to Australia, go to New Zealand, go to Japan, go to which are doing well at the moment, Japan, and then go to France and England and UK. Uh, There then you'll you'll get that's what I can say that to be. Be happy what you've achieved in coaching, to see the players achieve their goals, to try and represent the country, get contracts, and then come back and play for their country. And another thing too is uh, I want them to be successful, to be a better person in life. Uh, Those are some important things that I always tell players that no matter what you achieve in life, it's important that you need to look after yourself and you are representative of, of, your, of your city, you're representative of USA Rappi or wherever I'm coaching, and then uh, you look and you try to be a better person in life.
0: So I just have one question left for you, and it's quite maybe a reflective one, but it's one I like asking coaches all the time. If you could offer any piece of advice to coaches, what would that piece of advice be? Well, the advice is to coaches is
1: to. The most important thing is uh, you're not coaching a team to win only. A lot of coaches are always forcing players and uh, the goal for them is to win. I mean, everybody wants to win. The most important thing for coaches is to get the player to be better than when he ran onto the field that day. That's what I want to advise coaches, because there are players out there who, and you have to, that is one thing, to make sure that it's not only forcing players trying to win games. Winning is good, but make sure you have to tell players the opportunity of trying to get better the next time. That is what uh, I want to share with coaches and uh, to understand where uh, the players what they face, to go deeper into players' Uh, Whatever things they're facing, maybe at home, with their family, with at work, with work. So that is the advice for me. Try and uh, encourage players so that they give them the opportunity to play their best, that you support them, that you believe in them, uh, to keep motivating them, that they are the best players that you've ever come across. Uh, during your coaching times. Uh, That's what I always do. And I always encourage players and always uh, motivate them and tell them that you're the best player. You make sure this is the opportunity for you. Make sure give it your best shot. And uh, at the end of uh, uh, games that they play, uh, result will come in anyway. It's the, the opportunity that you motivate and encourage kids that players that they can do better than the last game they played
0: well wasali i'd like to say thanks a million for taking the time to come on and i know it was uh difficult to get the wi fis is linked up and everything like that but thanks a million for taking the time and for for being so open in your answers
1: thank you so much my brother have a blessed uh, weekend
0: you too buddy all the best Well, that's it for me today, folks. Thanks a million for tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe to it. And if you really enjoyed it, please feel free to send it to a friend who may be interested as it's the easiest way for the podcast to grow. Thanks a million, folks. See you in the next episode.